Welcome back to the Blues on Parade podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. It's been a while since I've been on the pod. I've uh, I took a sabbatical, a Chelsea sabbatical. Um, so Zach, I mean, this is the first game back. It's a win for me. Um, we we've looked good in the past like four or five matches, right? Did I miss anything big? Have, have we been scoring a lot? Like, <laughs> uh, this is what we've looked like, right? This is uh, this is the best we've looked since the Dortmund first leg. Definitely the best in the league that we've looked. I would argue that we even played better in this match than we did against Palace when we won one nil against Palace. Um, but yeah, dude. You know what's crazy to me? I went on my honeymoon in December, and Chelsea haven't really been good since before my honeymoon. And that was over three fucking months ago, so... I'm just happy we got a win, honestly. That was the most important thing. And like everyone else kind of echoed on Twitter, it was more about the result than it was about the details of the actual performance. So, one step at a time. Yeah, I mean, we went went five straight without a win, and a lot of really crappy teams as well that we dropped points against um this was like (laughs) the final straw pretty much and i haven't been on since i don't think i think i've was it southampton i think that was the the match that the tides really turned on uh graham potter as far as like fans saying oh give him till the end of the year like blah 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 to Okay, like if we don't take them out now, we're getting relegated. Um, but I think uh, that fear is kind of unfounded. We're not, we're not getting relegated. I think I can say that. Um, no, no, that's kind of ridiculous confidence. to say. Yeah, no, no, I don't, I don't think it's a matter of relegation. I think it's more like can it get worse than it has been? I think that's like the question that should be asked because, like. For me personally, as a Chelsea fan, if we're not finishing in the top four, it, it doesn't really fucking matter where we are in the table. Mm-hmm. It just, as long it as we're not bottom three. As long as we're not the bottom three, because if we're not top four, I mean, what's the point? So I don't know if it's it'll be any worse if we go from, like, let's say 10th to 12th or 10th to 14th. I don't know if that would make the biggest difference in my emotions. Probably make me a little bit more angry at Graham Potter and the, some of the yeah. players, but it wouldn't necessarily change my outlook on the season. So, I mean, we, we kind of reiterated it before. It's kind of, uh, right. this one's kind of being written off already. So, well, a much needed win against dirty leads, a one nil victory, um, at the bridge. We are reverting back to our old ways, the three, four, three, which I'm really happy about. Um, Kepa in goal, a back three of Fofana, Koulibaly and Badman Badiashil. Um, RLC slotted in on the right. Um, Reese James was out with a hamstring injury. Chile on the left. Kovacic and Enzo in the middle. Then a front three of Raz, Kai Havertz, Joao Felix. Um, let's just start off with the 3 4 3 because, look, Zach, we won a Premier League title with a 3 4 3. We won a Champions League with a 3 4 3. I mean, that, that's the formation I think this team is most comfortable with. I mean, I don't know why it took so long to go back to it, but, you know, we were at the point of desperation where we needed results. I think this was a pretty obvious decision. Yeah, he took no chances. And, and like you said, I think there's a familiarity between all the players in terms of how they operate in that system. And there's there's things that they can revert to when things get difficult, as opposed to the four two three one, which... They haven't really played as many minutes in. So, I mean, you saw guys like, and we'll get to it in a little bit, but, I mean, we saw guys like Chilwell, um, you know, um, Ruben Loftus-Cheek come back into the team and, you know, not look the greatest at a right wing-back position, but still understood what his role was. He doesn't really need much coaching um, in those positions because he's played there so often, especially under Tuchel. So, overall, you know, this was actually the first lineup in recent memory under potter where i didn't really have any issues i mean i guess you can say i don't really want to see kai start anymore i don't think anybody does yeah. but finishing the alternative? exactly but but what's the alternative so 
full fall. And, and I think it's a foregone conclusion that Kai's just gonna start every game because he has somebody's wives' pictures on his phone or something. I mean, th- th- that's the only logical reason why he continues to start games is because he's probably blackmailing somebody at the club. He's just been dreadful. Yeah, I mean, uh, changing the topic a little bit, we'll get back to the three-four-three. I just wanted to quickly touch on Kai Havertz because um, Graham Potter's been defending him. Um, you know, talking about the 3-4-3 and like our lack of goals. He said, I think we need to attack better as a team. And that's my responsibility. It's too easy to zoom into individuals and blame them. It's a collective. We have to create more, do better. And that starts with me helping the team get better chances, more chances, because then I don't doubt the quality of the players. That quote is just, it's missing the point because I don't think the issue was a lack of chances. We've had our chances. It's yeah. clearly it's it's clearly the finishing and it's it's the right thing to point fingers at Kai Havertz because he's the guy who Graham Potter consistently plays at striker. Mm-hmm. If he's getting selected, then he should be available for criticism. Right. And that's just a given. And I mean, I'm I'm on your side with this and I've been preaching this you know, like crazy, but it there just seems to be a reluctance to even try anybody else or try any other formation or, or or not formation, try anybody else there or, you know, try to put another square peg in that round hole because all Kai really gives us is link up play sometimes, right? Uh, sometimes his link up plays decent and, and we're able to keep the ball and, and the possession side of things seems fluid. Um, and then other times the link up play is not there and he's and he's doing nothing. I mean, he doesn't score goals, so we can scratch that off. He doesn't really create that many assists, so we can scratch that off. In terms of him being an aerial threat, I know most of the goals he scored for Chelsea were with his head, but I wouldn't say he's elite in the air by any stretch. So it's not like we can just spam crosses into the box and he'll get one like Ali Giroud. Um, my issue is, why not try something a little different? Why not go with maybe Joao Felix as like a traditional false nine? I know he's better partnering up with somebody. Um, but if you play Felix in a false nine, it allows you to get Madweke on the pitch as well. And now all of a sudden you have probably the three attackers who I would say have the most form at the moment. I mean, Raheem Sterling's definitely in form. Felix, he's been he's been good since he's gotten here. I know he's been quiet lately, but... Maybe just try to switch things up a little bit. Because if, if there's no reference point that Kai's... If Kai's not giving us a reference point up top, we need to find somebody that is consistently for the whole 90 minutes. I'm not talking about a 15 or 20 minute spell where he kept the ball for us and, you know, overlapped our fucking wing back like he always does. But somebody that just stays in the middle of the pitch and only, only drops into the midfield and central positions. Doesn't necessarily get sprayed out wide or, you know, stuck um, at a corner flag or, or anything like that. So. I'm kind of curious to see what happens with the Champions League. We'll get that in a, into a bit, but why not try Felix at the nine? Just, just a thought. I'm not saying it's going to completely change the way we play, but it might allow us to get a little bit more consistency from that part of the pitch. And, like, I can't believe I'm saying this, but the way Kai Havertz has been playing, it's driven me to the point where, like, why not give Aubameyang a chance? I mean, at least... He's a guy who's shown that he has the ability to score. Kai mm-hmm. Havertz doesn't have that ability. And I, I'll never understand the reasoning behind um, deregistering him for our Champions League roster because now we can't even try that. Um, we're stuck with Kai Havertz if we advance um, throughout the tournament and we have no other options. We weren't able to register Fofana and we deregistered if that's the right word um Aubameyang so I don't know I'm not I'm not listen I'm not here like campaigning for Aubameyang saying it's unfair how he's not starting not playing I understand why he's not playing it it's it wasn't good for for a lot of it um of his time here so far but we just need to try something else I agree with you it's just I, I mean something else. there was 
there were just so many points, especially in this game. The first 20 minutes, actually, like, first 20 minutes of half an hour, I thought the team was good. I, I thought our press mm. was great. I thought we were creating chances. We probably could have gone 2-0 up. Averts missed the 1v1. Felix hit the post. I mean, we could have walked away with a 3-0 easily. But for me, the thing that was frustrating about Kai was after that first 30 minutes, he didn't offer anything. I mean, there was no reference point. The midfield would pick up the ball, especially especially guys like Enzo, who the second, his first touch is always setting up a potential long ball or through ball. Do you notice that? Like every time he cushions yeah. the ball, he's, he's basically shaping his body to make a, a line breaking pass. And every time he'd look up, Kai wouldn't, he'd only be running the channels. He wouldn't be posting up a defender, asking for ball to feet, allowing the midfielders to come into play, having to, you know, the, the, the wing backs push up while he's holding up possession. We don't get any of that from him. And, and that's the thing that's frustrating the most. I'm not saying that Kai can just magically snap his fingers and do it tomorrow. That's not who he is. We just need to find somebody that can do that. It'll completely change the way we play. Because you look at, like, I mentioned Joao Felix earlier playing better with a striker. But especially guys like Mudrik with their pace playing off of flicks from, from like, a classic number nine. Or even a guy like Nkunku who's shown at Leipzig that he operates better playing off of traditional target man or number nine also. It's it's so so important that we get somebody in there over the summer because if we have to go through another, it's bad enough that we have to finish the season with Kai. But if I have to go through another season of of, of seeing him play there, it's <laughs> it's it's yeah, it's frustrating. Be. I mean, it's on Murata levels of frustrating at this point for me personally. But yeah, I, and you you mentioned Madueke um, earlier, and I just remember there was one moment. Um, when uh, Gallagher went like ran to the corner and saved the ball that was going out of bounds, and then they mm -hmm. played like a really nice one-two together, like mm -hmm. that's the kind of play. I know that's a completely different scenario than what I'm. You know, it's like a different part of the pitch, completely. But it's like those kind of plays that Kai Havertz just doesn't have in his in his arsenal. But let's yeah. go back to the three-four-three. We got a question. This one's from. Ron, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Cool, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Deluxe, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Supreme. He asked, is this the way we should play for a while to get results? What do you think, Zach? Yeah, I, if we're going to be playing once a week, I mean, even with the Champions League, I think we have this squad to kind of mix and match and chop and change um, to stick with this formation. It, I, I think we'll get some consistency out of it. We, again, we're not going to be blowing teams out 3-4-0 and getting our goal fest that we've all been craving playing this way because it's, it's never come from a 3-4-3. But what we will get is the defensive solidity. You'll get the familiarity, um, obviously, playing it under Tuchel and Conte. Even Frankie uh, Lampard deployed this formation every now and then with us as well. So this is something that's kind of been... Um, not necessarily a mainstay, but it's definitely been one of our main formations that we've been using in recent years. So it only makes sense that we keep sticking with it. I think it's easier to coach the players if they're in a system that they feel more comfortable with. And again, I mentioned it earlier, but if the players are going to be on the pitch and sort of, um, you know, stuck in these positions where they kind of got to quote unquote wing it, I think the 3-4-3 is the way to do it. I mean, they've just played that system for such a long time. Um, and guys like uh, Kovacic specifically, I notice, mm. just look a lot more comfortable playing in a midfield two as opposed to a double pivot next to Enzo in a 4-2-3-1 because he had the comfort of the fullbacks and he also had the freedom to sort of roam forward with the extra center back in behind him as well. And cool, uh, Fafana and uh, Badia Shil were phenomenal at covering for both Enzo and Kovacic as well. So I think we bring out the best out of everybody. And, you know, not even... I haven't even mentioned this yet, but this was the best match Raheem Sterling played for Chelsea so far, and it came out of the three-four-three. So, you know, not saying that this is the best formation for him, but if we're getting something out of Raheem Sterling, Felix looked lively at times. Our our midfield was okay, not great, but the fullbacks and the center backs especially were phenomenal. This is the way to go forward. We'll get clean sheets and we'll grind out some one nils. For sure. At this point, it's just a matter of, like, just getting by on results. Um, we can't be dropping points. I mean, I'm of two minds right now. One, it's if we if we stick to the three four three, then you know it's pretty much just trying to save our season. 
win some points. And what's the, what's the, what's that like for? Like, what's the reason? We're probably out of the top four race. Is this going to be the formation that we're going to play moving forward, like beyond this season? If that's the case, then yeah, let's let's keep on going. But I don't know. It. it I do it, think that this is probably our safest. Way yeah, to play. for sure. And and, and the subs kind of said it all, right? I mean, the first two substitutions were two attacking players, and he subbed on Zakaria and Gallagher to sort of just win the ball and be energetic and a pain in the ass and seal the seal the victory um but i mean this is graham potter we're talking about so to kind of answer your question i think this is going to be one of the formations that we'll see if he does stay beyond this season again not saying i want him here beyond uh, this season but if he does stay here he's going to be playing different formations from time to time this will be one of them he'll probably play a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3 um but also, Sam, to your point about, you know, what's the point of playing this? Um, I think you just got to build a little bit of momentum. You obviously got to build up the player's confidence, right? There's a lot of new guys that are in the team. So if you play a consistent formation and a consistent group of players, you're going to start forming different types of relationships on the pitch. Like we're already starting to see last match, especially we saw Joao Felix and Chilwell combine really well together. They they look really good playing on the same side. There's going to be more combinations like that in the future. I think Mandueke and Reese is one to look at, um, you know, uh, in Kunku, if he does, if we do wind up signing Joao Felix, how they're going to combine with each other, that's going to be interesting. So you start there, right? You play a consistent formation, you get your results, and then little by little, you make the tweaks and adaptations to be eventually where you want to be. So if we want to go into a 4-2-3-1, maybe we can see the 3-4-3 sort of adapt to a back four in the attack. Maybe one of the wingbacks tucks in, the other wingback goes flying forward. We saw that a little bit um, on Saturday. That's one way to do it. Um, the other way would just to be to change the formation outright, which we also saw Potter do about five or six times a game. Um, but yeah, no, 3-4-3 uh, three, three for now, build those relationships, get the confidence going, build a little bit of chemistry, and then you make little tweaks here and there. You just don't make all these wholesale changes. I saw this ridiculous stat. Um, it said, leading up to the Leeds match, Graham Potter averaged over four changes every single match in the starting 11. Uh, this that's season? The most, this season, he's averaged over four changes every single match. Yeah, so no, zero consistency. I mean, exactly. A lot of it does have to do with injury as well. Yeah, I mean, he even he even mentioned that. Um, you know, met, talking about the back three and how Chelsea looked more assured. He said, obviously, it hasn't been as straightforward as it sounds because we've had people dropping off regularly, really, which has made it hard to have that consistency that you need, um, that we want. I thought we had a nice balance about us. We were better in terms of attacking, certainly, um, in the first half. And that's something for us to improve. Um, I think that's kind of a, a keying in on w what we're going to see against Dortmund. Like we're, I think we're 100% going to stick with this formation, 3-4-3. Three, three. Um, you know, I said before, what's Champions League, we actually have stakes in. Like... Yeah, that's that's the tournament right now. <laughs> it's crazy to think that that's the only other like competition that we're in right now. Yeah. <laughs> we're out of everything else. I mean, so, that's the uh, only thing that we can win still. <laughs> it's insane. I I, I don't want to say we have zero chance, but it would be pretty Chelsea of us to win the Champions League somehow. After this <laughs> shit shit season, um, all right, let's let's move on. You talked about Sterling. Mm -hmm. You thought that that was his best match in a Chelsea kit. I don't know about that. I mean, I think he looked good. Four out of four dribbles completed. Won eight out of ten duels. Missed a big chance. Um, um, you put the question, was he your man of the match? I wouldn't even put him in my top three. I mean, did, did you think he was the man of the match? I think he was in contention for it. In terms of the whole 90 minutes, um, he had the most complete attacking performance out of any of our players. I think he could argue that Chilwell had a really complete attacking performance as well. I think Chilwell was just a complete performance defensively and attacking-wise. Oh, yeah. He looked fucking... He's, he looked like he's back. 
Um, Two key but, passes, three crosses, including the assist, three mm-hmm. tackles, three interceptions. And he looked I mean, great. I, but... You can make the argument that Chilwell was man of the match. For me, I picked Sterling just because I know that if we can really get him ticking and get him going, that he can produce for us. I mean, he's the only guy in this squad outside of, I would say, maybe Mason Mount, Thiago Silva, Reese James, who we've seen the potential in terms of what they can do in the Premier League when they're in form and when they're banging. So Raheem Sterling could potentially be a 10-goal, 10-assist-plus player um, if he's playing consistently and he's in a good in a good frame of mind and in good form. And it was really good for it was just really good to see him play well. I mean, we haven't had a player sort of take the game by the scruff of the neck in a while. And I know Sterling didn't do that in the same way that guys like Hazard or Costa did, but he was highly influential. Every time he touched the ball, he was either getting fouled or he was beating his man. And again, across the whole 90 minutes, he was the most consistently dangerous player that we had. So for me, he was my personal man of the match. You can throw Fofana in there. I mean, yeah. you could throw the whole back three. They were all phenomenal. Um, That's what I was going to say. I was going to say I would take Chilwell, Fofana, and Badia Shield all over Sterling. All as over far Sterling. As my choice of man of the match. And, Mm-hmm. I'm kind of coming off as like hating on Sterling. I thought he played really well. I'm just, I just no, think it's, that it, it's more a testament. Better. Yeah, it's more a testament to how well we defended. I think. Yeah. The, the 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 main theme of this game was, you know, we got our goal. We probably should have had more. Leads came on to us late on, and uh, we were solid enough in the back without Thiago Silva and without Arise James to still keep a clean sheet. Granted, we gave away a couple chances, but again, the back three was just, they were so, so good. I lump Chile in there also, maybe, you know, include the whole back five, but the back five was just so solid. Yeah, I mean, let, let's let's talk about that a little bit, because obviously Tiago Silva going down with a knee injury, he's going to miss six weeks. We thought, all right, there goes our season. <laughs> I mean, any 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 semblance of a season that we had left was gone. Um, but uh, and who? Wait, who was captain again? Was it Kovacic? Yeah, Kovacic was. <laughs> Which was funny, but then when you think about it, he's he was a player on the pitch that's been on the team the longest, so it does make sense. Um, then, so talking about the back three, um, they looked fantastic. Let's just start off with Koulibaly because he, out of those three, I think had like the most to prove because he obviously came in as the most polished and, you know, well-regarded player out of those three. And this season, frankly, has been a disappointment for him. Um, but in the back three, and we got a, we got a Twitter question from Chelsea Bantz at... 12 bands Chelsea. Koulibaly in the middle of a three serves him and the team best. I mean, I think, obviously, I would prefer Thiago Silva there, but that is the truth. Koulibaly, I think that serves him best mm-hmm. in the middle of the back three. Yeah, there's no complaints. I mean, Thiago Silva is going to be out for, what, six to eight weeks, give or take. So in that time, Koulibaly is going to have to be called upon. It's just... You know, that's just the name of the game when it comes down to injuries. But in terms of his actual skill set, it puts Koulibaly in a much better position to sort of do what he does best. I mean, we've seen him on the ball, which he's decent, not great. Um, Doesn't really try too many risky passes. He's fairly safe. In terms of dribbling out of the back, he's terrible. He turns like an oil tanker. Um, If somebody spins him, they're... (laughs) I mean, they're they're one v one with the keeper. Yeah, so, which almost happened a couple times. I mean, it, it did, nice. but but to be fair to him, like you said, he's a highly regarded center back, and he had all those years in Italy where he was amazing. And at Napoli, they very much do play or did play a possession based style when he was there. But a lot of the times, especially in Italy, the game is mostly in front of you as a defender, especially as a center back. And that's what he's so good at. When the game's in front of him, he's great at anticipating and reading, making those interceptions, making those tackles, closing down passing lanes, and doing different things like that to prevent and disrupt the other team's uh, run of play. He's not necessarily good at man-marking, 
um, you know, defending in 1v1 situations, especially when he's forced out wide to cover for fullbacks. I mean, that's where we've seen him exposed the most. Um, and, and, and he's also kind of heavy in the tackle, too. So when he mistimes those, um, those situations where he gets pulled out wide and is isolated 1v1, he's fouling the guy and picking up a yellow card. Having Fofana yeah. and Body a shield next to him give him that one insurance policy, but two, it also takes the load off of his plate in terms of distributing the ball and being the first uh, line of resistance when it comes to um, covering for fullbacks or covering for wingbacks. He's not being asked to do that. He's being asked to strictly stay in the middle of the pitch to keep the to keep Fofana to keep Body a shield, excuse me, and Fofana organized, and to keep the guys in front of him organized as well. Um, the game's being played in front of him, so he's in a similar position to where he was at Napoli, where he's able to read patterns of play and then break it up. Um, and, you know, the, the more athletic stuff, like closing down and, um, you know, 1v1 defending, that's left up to Badia Shield and Fofana, who look like they're definitely up for it. And, you know, just to kind of touch on them for a second, you know, their ball progression, and especially their distribution from the left oh, and right yeah. side of Koulibaly, were crucial to our buildup. I mean, having that outlet in possession is almost like having Jorginho on the pitch in a way. Because they're able to step forward with the ball into those positions Jorginho would normally make himself available. Um, and they're able to play, you know, different types of passes and whatnot. I mean, they 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 accurately completed five out of seven long ball attempts between the two. So kind of tells you everything you need to know. The ball progression, both, you know, by dribbling and via passing takes that load off of Koulibaly's plate um, and then also again like I said just the fact that the game is in front of him is is he's comfortable he looked comfortable he didn't look crazy like he usually does so I think this is the formula especially while Thiago Silva's out um, this is the formula to kind of protecting Koulibaly but also getting the most out of Afana and Badi Ashil and this is a change we wanted to see in Potter for the longest time because it's like Stop trying to play these formations and make it work. Why don't you find a formation that works for the players? Right. Not the players to work for a formation. So, And, you know, Ufana was out. Um, we didn't have Badia Shield. So mm -hmm. we didn't have, like, three center, ba center backs for a while. Mm -hmm. Reese James and Chilwell were both out. Um, did Kukurea even make the bench in this past match? I don't think he no, did. No, um, he did not. Which is interesting, Something, but not yeah. it, it, not completely shocking, which is a bad thing. But um, <laughs> we didn't have a single like fullback on our bench. Um, we had to start, <coughs> sorry, RLC, and no one. <laughs> it was, was Trevor Chalba came on. Yeah, Chalba came. Yeah, the most like defensive they, wing back I've ever seen. But we got the points, so I'm yeah, not complaining. I guess done. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm so happy to have Fofana back, though. Um, he has looked amazing. It, obviously, scoring the winning goal, which is just the fifth goal in our last 12 matches. And, yeah. and it came off a corner, meaning that only two goals that we've scored in 2023 have been from open play. Everything else is off a set piece or off a corner. Well, maybe, maybe that's, that's a good thing. Playing the back three might be a good thing. It, it gets more of the big boys on the pitch. Yeah. Higher probability yeah. of scoring, lower probability of conceding. Quick yeah, math. <coughs> none of our attackers are, uh, are scoring. So, I mean, this was the story of our season last year, too. Our attackers yeah. weren't doing shit. It was all our defense. So, yep. uh, New Year's, same shit. But, yeah, Badia Shield. His ball progression, it, it, like, his his passing is really nasty. I mean, yeah. towards the end of the match, he had one through ball uh, uh, down the wing to Ben Chilwell. That was, like, he, he must have, like, launched it, like, like, 40 yards ahead of him into, like, an open space where only Chilwell could get to it. It was, it was beautiful, and I... Like that kind of vision, like not like all not even all of our midfielders can have made a pass like that. Um, yeah, I've been really happy with those two, the two French center backs, uh, 
two young guys, and I'm really excited about having the both of them. I mean, they're both so big, so athletic. You see, how, like, Fofana got so high up on that first goal. I mean, on that goal. <laughs> but he had yeah. a, a chance earlier, too, where mm-hmm. he just hit it over the, the post. Same, the, exact, the same exact type of cross, too. <laughs> yeah, and he, got, he gets up. Yeah. So that's nice to have. Um, they are, um, you know, them two together, I think eventually if we do wind up shifting to a back four, I think they can even work in a back four together, Fafana and Bobby. For sure. Ishiro. For sure. Fafana has like a little bit of, um, I don't want to say just outright leadership ability because he's not like, he's not super vocal, but he's sort of a leader in the way Dave is, where, he's, where he leads by example on the pitch. Like, he's a very hard worker. Every single time he's, he's, he, every time I've seen him run, he's sprinting. He's never at just like a jog or, you know, um, he doesn't take any plays off or anything like that. He's a hard man, goes flying into tackles. He obviously gets us the goal. But the thing I noticed was a celebration more than anything. Our new guys celebrated harder than anybody else for that goal. The first two people that went up to him and congratulated him after were Badi Ashil and Enzo. I don't know if yes. you caught that. Yep. Yep. I did. So, Enzo looked so hyped. That was awesome. Yeah. And so he's well-liked in the dressing room. I, I, I'm I, not saying he's a potential future captain type of player, but this I, I, I think Fofana, if he can stay healthy, even body of shield too, but more so Fofana, I think Fofana just has a way higher ceiling, and, and I think he can, he, based on what we've seen, he could potentially be world-class like very, very soon. He just needs to get his health in check, you know? Zach, if he can stay on you. the pitch, but I, I love your analytic skills. How you are seeing, you know, players celebrating to a goal and attributing that to uh, him being a good personality in the locker room. Maybe well, I mean, they were just excited about scoring a goal in in fucking five matches. No, I know, I know. Well, look, I mean, they're obviously celebrating the goal just I based know, on I'm the fact that we you. scored. But, like, there's been times where, where certain players have scored and their celebrations, like, somewhat subdued, or even their teammate celebrations are somewhat <coughs> subdued. Havertz. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But with him, it's like, he was genuinely hyped to score. And I think I, it, it's obvious that he's liked. I mean, him and Reese James are going back and forth on Instagram and Twitter all the time. And he just has a really good camaraderie with Body Ashil. You talked about the two Frenchies being homies. I mean, they're... They're two peas in a pod, it seems like, especially based on the celebration also. So, yeah, why not? All right. Let's have another Graham Potter chat because I, I feel like we're going to have to discuss this almost after almost every match. Um, do you think he bought himself a little bit more time? I mean, I haven't been on the last couple of matches. Was the consensus that... We wanted him out, but we thought he was going to stay until the end of the season still, no matter what. Yeah, uh, I, I think he's ended, um, but my my opinion really didn't change on him. I think, I think in terms of ownership, yeah. um, all signs are pointing to that he's still very much under the microscope and that a final decision hasn't even been considered yet. Um, but something that was interesting, and we didn't mention this last pod, it actually happened after we dropped the pod, but I think it was the next press conference after that. Potter mentioned that, or not didn't mention, but he acknowledged the pressure of being in the Chelsea hot seat. So that's basically him admitting that now, basically, there have been some sort of conversation behind the scene, and there has been a discussion about, hey, you're our guy, but we need to see some results. And that was the first time that he really kind of broke and told us you know, that there is some sort of level of pressure on him. So I'm happy Where? that he won. I think he stays till the end of the season. I wouldn't keep him here, but I think the board is definitely going to keep this glass half full approach with him until they do make ultimately make the final decision i mean they've really shown us no signs of him potentially getting sacked i mean is is the press conference is the press conference you're talking about the one where you said like sorry i'm late uh had to attend uh like an emergency meeting (laughs) 
I think I mean, it was the he same was, one, Crisis Meeting yeah, or something he, like that. He, yeah, Crisis Meeting. I think that he was saying that tongue in cheek. Um, you know, he was saying like, "Oh, well, I'm still here, aren't I?" So. <laughs> No, no, but he was he, he was asked about pressure in his position, and he said, "Yeah, um, you know, like the 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 results haven't been good enough, and and I know the history of this club, and I know how it goes at a club this big." And I'm summarizing, but it's like again, right. based on the club's history and how important it is for them to win, like I got to get results, otherwise I'm basically out of here. So I was glad that he finally had it. Uh, I don't want to say he's been dishonest, but I'm I'm glad that he had a very honest answer that i finally agreed with <laughs> right yeah. like you know he, he finally said something that makes sense you know not uh the boys gave it everything uh <laughs> you know they uh they tried really hard and uh they're gutted look, look, everybody's look gutted. great in training <laughs> yeah i'm sick and tired of hearing that shit just say it i'm under pressure i need to get a win let's see what happens on saturday and uh yeah let, let the boys do the talking for you and, you know, if the results keep going the way they're going, he's going to have to, or he's not going to have to have these difficult questions thrown at him anymore. You know, eventually they might dissipate. But something that's interesting, Song, and something I noticed, mm -hmm. because we, we as Chelsea fans, we discussed this a few pods ago, we haven't been down this bad ever. I mean, we've only really started supporting the club when Roman came along. So we never really saw the second division. We never really saw the relegation battles and all of those things, mid-table mediocrity and whatnot. Um, but it's very interesting how thing and, and I'm guilty of this too, things getting so toxic and the rhetoric around the club being so toxic, seeing what one win does. It made my <laughs> whole weekend. Yeah, I mean look, win winning cures everything. It really does. Yeah, um, it does. Like, we could be, we could have, Kai Havertz could be not scoring at all, like, still be doing the same thing he's been doing. But if we've been winning those matches, we wouldn't be talking about him as much, mm -hmm. you know, because winning, winning honestly cures everything. Yeah. Um, another question from at Black Emoji. He said, light at the end of the tunnel or flash in the pan? Zach, I don't know what light is going to be at the end of the tunnel, but I I do think that we've hit rock bottom. If if that's that's kind of how I'm 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 seeing this question, and especially it with can't Graham, get worse. yeah, I don't think it could get worse, and especially with Potter. Um, obviously, it could get worse if you know the the Dortmund result and you know, a couple of the results after that kind of go awry, then. The board really need to make a decision, but um, I'm going to be glass half full and say light at the end of the tunnel, because I think, not in terms of Graham Potter staying here long term, but more in terms of, I don't think the performances are going to be as bad as they have been. Like, I think they'll find some sort of continuity to just kind of grind the rest of this season out and start fresh next year. Yeah, I mean, we're going to get into the Dortmund match, but... Again, I've said this multiple times just this episode. Like, that is the only thing worth playing for. And if you think light at the, or light at the end of the tunnel equates to lifting the Champions League trophy this season, I I don't know if that's gonna happen. But uh, yeah, it's it's hard to tell. I'm I'm still not putting to, like or getting too confident about Graham Potter in these last couple of matches. Like, the subs he made after scoring <laughs> was... Yeah, it, I understand why he made those changes. Uh, taking out both Joao Felix and um, Raheem Sterling, right? Yeah, he took out Raheem Sterling, yeah. too. So, it... it those were our two best attacking threats. He kept Kai Havertz on. It seemed like a fucking nightmare <laughs> about to happen, but, you know, it, it was kind of, in a sense, parking the bus without actually parking the bus. Um, he went but... full Mourinho. Like, full, <laughs> like, uh, just vintage Jose. We're like, let's just bring on 
a defensive player, and anybody that will run their socks off for me. Let's throw yeah, a center got- back at right wing back. We'll lock things down. I mean, it was... I, I, I'll be the first one to say that I was pissed when I saw Zakaria and Gallagher coming on. I, I was thinking, you know, take take a guy like Joao Felix maybe off, along with Havertz, bring on a striker and maybe Madueke. And then if you want to bulk up the midfield, you pull either Kovacic or Enzo. Enzo wasn't having a good defensive game, but maybe you pull one of those guys and put Zakaria in there and just, you know, have him tackle people and, and, and play ball winner, basically Obi Mikel. Um, but obviously after we sealed the result, I ate my words and I'll admit it. No, looking back, I don't really give a fuck anymore. I was just happy that we won, (laughs) but in the moment I was thinking to myself, let's get a second, man. Let's get a third. Like, you know, we're we're creating chances. Leeds is there for the taking. They, they, they really fucking suck. So why not? Let's go for it. But, um, you know, I do understand Potter's perspective. This is a must win game. He wasn't taking any chances and. The substitutions proved it. Yeah, I mean, the second goal, like, that's not just like, oh, let's do it for confidence. That was more of like, if we if we give up a goal and drop more points, like, then it's I'm going to be pissed. But it, it works both ways. It worked out for us. Um, we got some other questions. Shout out to at Sophie Bikes. Shout out to Ron. Shout out to at HC Human Capital Department um, for asking pretty much along you know, questions along the same lines. Um, do we think that this is the turnaround performance needed to get out of this funk? And yeah, it's going to put confidence in the players for sure. Whether that's going to be a long-term, sustainable kind of confidence, we'll see. I think going into this Dortmund match uh, on Tuesday, the confidence of yesterday's match plus the first leg, I think it will have a, a positive impact on us. But um, as far as like the rest of the season, I don't know. What do you think? So? Yeah, like I said, I think I think we've hit rock bottom. At least I'm hoping. I keep preaching it into existence because maybe I could just manifest that shit and it'll be true. Um, but no, th- th- I think there's a genuine feeling that um, the worst is behind us, and that even though the future might not have the greatest or most beautiful performances, it might not end up in the league where we want to. We're gonna start seeing little improvements here and there, and that's all we're asking for, right? Like. I think every Chelsea fan's on the same page. Everybody understands that this is definitely a project and that this is going to take a while and that we're going to, you know, drop some games here and there and there's going to be some difficult times and bumps in the road, but I don't think anyone was expecting it to be bad as this. So I think any little bit of positive that we can take away, we should take it just like we are today, you know, and still being glass half full and saying, maybe this is not rock bottom. I, I, but, but, Honestly, Sam, that's genuinely how I feel. I, I, I don't think the players are necessarily... Um, I don't think they've given up on Potter in any way, shape, or form. I don't think they dislike him. I don't think they... You know, trust is a different issue, but in terms of like the actual effort we're seeing on the pitch, it's definitely there. So there's, there's still something to be salvaged if the players are still trying. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying all of them are going out there and putting in a 110% shift, but there's a good majority of them that definitely look like they're up for it. They're just low on confidence. Yeah, and uh, hopefully it, like I said before, this confidence that uh, we'll probably get from this one match, hopefully it carries over into the Dortmund match. Um, let's talk about that a little bit. Dortmund... Uh, one of the hottest teams in Europe, unbeaten in 2023, right now tied with Bayern on 49 points in a really, really intriguing Bundesliga title uh, fight. Um, they just beat uh, Leipzig, I think, over the weekend um, our, against our boy Nkunku, but uh and our former boy Timo Werner, mm-hmm. and ho- our maybe future boy... Gavardial. <laughs> Maybe. We might even buy the team outright. I don't know. But <laughs> yeah. um, so they had 
they're gonna have one more day of rest than us, which I don't know if that's gonna be too much of a disadvantage for us. But um, Yusofa Mukoko, he's out. Kareem Adeyemi, who scored obviously that goal in the first leg, and uh, Gregor Kobel, their keeper. He was injured over the weekend during warm-ups. He didn't play, and there's no word yet on his availability at the time of the recording. So three really important players um, that have been contributing a lot in this unbeaten run in 2023. Um, Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen. It could be a similar performance as to what we saw in the first leg. Or it could be what we've seen in the last five league matches. Um, what what do you think we're going to see, Zach? Beyond like formation, I think we already kind of agreed three four three. That's going to that's going to be the formation. Yeah, it's a little weird because like the last the only time I think we've played really well in the four two three one was against Dortmund in the first leg, um, and we mm-hmm. seem to have their number tactically. Um, Probably should have won that game. We definitely should have won that game. Scored a couple goals, yeah. but um, you know, I, I do think it'll be three four three. Um, you know, obviously there's no body of shield for this one, so if it's a three four three, you're most likely going to see Kulabali, Fofana, and maybe a Trevor Chalaba playing on the left. I might not be too surprised to maybe even see a Kukureya maybe come back and get a start on the left hand side. I wouldn't be a I fan of it. I, I wouldn't be a not. fan of it, but. Who knows with Potter and his team selections? I mean, he only picked the right team once, so let's see if he can do it two times in a row. Um, hey, averaging four changes a match. Let's see. Four changes what, a what match. Four changes. What four changes is he going to make? I got to be a little bit more uh, clear. I, it, I think it was more, more like four and a half, even like it wasn't even a, a, like a rounded up to four. It was four that could have been rounded up to five. But <laughs> anyways. That'll be our back three. I think the midfield, um, I think it should probably be a Zakaria and uh, Enzo Fernandez. If Zakaria is healthy to play um, and start, he definitely should. I wasn't a big fan of uh, Enzo next to Kovacic. I thought they got overrun. I don't think they're solid enough defensively. And I think they offer too much of the same things. And I'd rather have Enzo there because he pings a long ball and Kovacic doesn't. Um, that'll be our midfield. Hopefully, Reese James and Chilva is the wing backs. Front three, please, Lord, start either Joao Felix or Aubameyang at the nine. No, Aubameyang. We can't have Aubameyang play. Oh, yeah, he's been left out too. So Kai Havertz again, which doesn't make sense why he even played the 90 against Leeds. Yeah. Oh, my God. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any fucking sense. Maybe he's he's trying to hurt Kai Havertz. (laughs) So he doesn't have to play him anymore. the The guy won't get hurt. Like, he's not... He doesn't get into enough confrontations. Okay, hey, we're not rooting actively for a Chelsea player to get hurt, okay? No, we're just saying it wouldn't be the worst thing. <laughs> but, yeah, so uh, but yeah. Maybe, so, so Mudrik didn't really get much of a look in this week. I, so maybe we see Joao Felix at the 9, Mudrik and Sterling. That would be a perfect world. I have a bad feeling it's going to be Kai Havertz, Joao Felix on the left, and Mason Mount on the right. I just have a gut feeling it's going to be something like that. And I hope not. Because we, the main thing is, Sam, like you said, they're the hottest team in Europe. They have all these injuries. The last thing we want to do is sort of let them walk into Stamford Bridge, impose themselves, and get confident. Because they'll, they'll keep it at, you know, 1-0. Or they might even nick a goal and, uh, and put, the, the reach, put the tie rather further beyond reach. So mm-hmm. I think we need to go out there and do something similar to what we did in the first game. High press, quick counterattacking, quick passing, rotations in the midfield and the front three. Um, and hopefully we could nick an early goal, put them on the back foot, and, and, and get the, uh, the decisive one a little later on. That'll be in a perfect world. Um, I'll just kind of lump that in with my prediction. Sam, I think we advance. I'm going to predict a win. Um, I'm going okay. to go 2-0 Chelsea. I don't think Dortmund scores. Zach, we scored one goal in the last five, six matches, and you predict we that need, we're going to score two? We need to. Yeah, we need to. I agree. I, I'm, I'm going to manifest we? it. 
What when when have my, you know what, Sam? I'm gonna I'm gonna what? flip the coin on you a little bit, okay? Uh-huh. You can't you Go can't ahead. shit on me for predicting two goals for Chelsea when you predicted a two-two draw for like twelve weeks in a row last <laughs> season, not actually wanting a draw or believing that we're gonna get a draw. So yeah. yeah, but that was that was good luck. This is just you. I'm I'm trying hoping. to start. I'm trying to start the same sort of thing with just a different scoreline. Okay, two nil. That's gonna two be nil. it. Two nil. Chelsea. We score more than one goal, and uh, we can all rejoice. It's just so hard for me to buy into that, Zach. I'm sorry. Realistically, as sad we're going to nick a goal, and it's going to go to pens, and then who knows what happens. Yeah, I think that's the more likely outcome. And then uh, maybe a crippling, a crippling defeat in, in penalties. I don't know. I don't want to be too negative, but it's hard not to be with the season we've had this year. I wish I didn't finish my whiskey yet. I would have finished it after that statement for sure. Which statement? The last one that you just made about how we're going to go to penalties and probably lose. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, like all of my sports teams right now are like just good enough to give you hope and then completely like shit the bed out of as I far mean, as like results go. I'm in the same I'm in the same boat, man. Mm-hmm. We both are. The Lakers are only but, what hey. a game and a half back of the Clippers now. Yeah, something like that. But And Ferrari's power unit sucks, so I can't <laughs> I I think I cursed them last week. I mentioned them on the pod. And uh yeah, I think it's cursed. Hey, it can't be any worse than McLaren with zero. They got zero points this past week. Um, Sorry, Carlos. <laughs> all right, uh, that wraps it up for this week's episode. Um, actually, it won't be this week's episode. We'll have another one, uh, hopefully midweek, because of this uh, midweek matchup. So, uh, mm-hmm. if you're not already following us on Twitter, make sure you do at Blues on Parade. Um, again, after every match. We post a questions tweet. If you want to be heard on this episode or on the next episode, make sure you reply to those tweets with your question. We'll get you on. I will give you a shout at the very least. Um, I, I I hope my prediction does not come true, and I hope Zach's prediction does come true. Um, and we'll talk after then. Until next match, keep the blue flag flying high.